It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports, joined by myself, Ethan Kershaw, as well as Alex Mauer to bring you all things RSL throughout the week. And uh, I, I know I might regret asking this question, but Alex, how are you doing tonight? Uh, you know, I try my best to not live and die by RSL results, because if I did, I don't know that I would have the happiest of existences, but I am doing I'm doing well. Uh, regardless of the result tonight, our, our my U13s had a had a tremendous result today in a big bounce back game for them. So uh, can't be happier about that. And uh, yeah, so I just see your name in the uh, in the Zencaster here as X Dog. So that's that's just salt uh, in the wound a little bit. But uh, yeah, doing doing as well as someone can after a home loss with playoffs on the line to an Eastern Conference middling team at best. Ethan, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm all right. Pablo's Pablo actually said in the post game that the the team's XG is is great. So, um he did indeed say that. I'm sure we'll talk about Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm like so tired, man. Like I've been back on the bad sleep schedule um and I was at the RSL game tonight. We are recording episode after the uh, the RSL Cincinnati game and uh, we've got two games to talk about this week but I'm not sure how long we'll spend on both of them because they were both not favorable I entirely forgot about the Austin game as being yeah. part of this episode yep. so there was a midweek game and yeah I tried to block that out of my mind but uh, just can't make that happen so um <laughs> We're going to get into the episode today. We're going to do our best to be as positive as we possibly can, (laughs) given the scenario and situation today. But if you are listening right now, we just want to let you know we really appreciate your time. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Sincerely. Yes, especially on this episode tonight. Uh, You can find Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw 9 on Twitter. And find the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter. They have all of our episodes as well as a link in uh, Alex Nye's bio also has the, uh, the I, I guess, the pathway to all of our episodes for uh, for the or, uh, for RSL Sundays, I should say. So with that being said, on the fantastic, lovely, wonderful intro, let's go ahead and get on into the episode today. And let's start off with our pod trivia question. Alex. I'm sure you have a fantastic question for me today, and I'll probably have my lines, but let's let's go. Let's do it. I actually have one that I'm very excited about, but for this question, Ethan, I need you to look at presumably anything other than your computer screen okay. to not give you any clues. Closed eyes would be perfect so that we can still hear you in the mic. The question is this, Ethan. Okay. How do you spell Cincinnati? C I. Uh, so here is it. We uh, before I actually answer this question, uh, <laughs> the question is pretty simple there, Ethan. I know Trent from the the RSL comms team was in post game typing up his report, and he was complaining about how he had to spell Cincinnati every like two seconds. And so I told him just say Cincy, and he's like, "If only, if only I could." But uh, and for this, Ethan, you cannot. Okay, let's give it a shot. Uh, okay, I'm gonna say. C I N C I N N A T T I. Oh, you're so close. There's only one T. Oh my goodness. C I N C I N N A T I. Ethan, you are so close. I want to give it to you, but unfortunately I can't. Apparently two N's, one T. So yeah, that was a close one though. That was a good one. Well, mama didn't raise no spelling bee champ. So, uh, I'm here, um, recording an RSL podcast. And a very verbal, yeah, not a, not a written format here for us. So I guess, <laughs> I guess it's not too big of an issue for you, <laughs> but you are an English major. So you probably would have gotten that one. Correct. I would have gotten two T's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Would have gotten two T's. That's fair. I was even debating if there were two N's, but I guess that wasn't where I should have, uh, changed anyways. 
Um, all right. Wow. With that being said, let's go ahead and talk about the monarchs, shall we, Alex? In our uh, in our monarch minute, we certainly can, and hopefully, I can get this one in under time because the monarchs play tomorrow. So, when you're listening to this, last that game will probably of the be season. today. It is the last game of the season against the Colorado Rapids two. There is not a whole lot to watch for. The Monarchs have obviously for a very long time been eliminated from playoff contention. So essentially a dead rubber game for the Monarchs. It is at home. So if you have yet to be in person at a Monarchs game this season, now is the time to do that because they are very entertaining. And it is truly one of my favorite stadiums in the world because it's just so small and intimate and just fantastic. I just love it. It's it's great. And the views are wonderful. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Monarchs Minute today. Uh, Christian Nydegger has still kind of yet to break into the team over at FC Tucson, so nothing to watch there. Aziz Kayondo has been called up to a national team, but we'll get to that in our next segment, and that's pretty much all the Monarchs news. So they had a good MLS or USL MLS Next Pro season. So, I mean, good might be a little kind, but they didn't finish in dead last, and so we'll take it. Yes, yes, that's definitely positive considering how the season started out. Um, I agree with you in uh, wanting to get out to uh, more of those games. It's a very fun, uh, kind of a community-type feel experience. And so um, if you haven't already, make sure you head on out there last game tomorrow or today if you're listening to this on Sunday against Colorado Rapids 2. It'll be a fun time, good experience, and hopefully Monarchs can pull out a win for their last game of the season. So that would be awesome. Um, Alex... I know we're just like flying through the podcast today, but there's, I, I don't know. There's like not a ton of things to talk about. <laughs> Maybe more negative than good. We got a couple news items today. But okay, okay, okay. I'll let you get to it then. So let's go ahead and talk about um, the news segment. Um, Alex, I will turn the time over to you to talk a little bit about some international call-ups. We have a bundle of international call-ups. The first time it feels like in a very long time for this team that we've had more than a couple and we start off with 19-year-old Monarchs defender that I alluded to, Aziz Kayondo. He has been called up for the Uganda national team and will compete in a tri-nation tournament against Libya and Tanzania, and he will miss the final Monarchs game of the season as well. Former U.S. national teamer Rubio Rubin has been called up uh, again by Guatemala, whom he represents nationally now after filing his one-time switch earlier this summer. He and Guatemala will play against Colombia and Honduras. He should not miss any time for RSL. As well, another first-teamer, Diego Luna, has been called up for the USU-20s to play in the hilariously named Revelations Cup in Mexico City. They will face off against Peru, Mexico, and Paraguay. And lastly, newly acquired midfielder Brian Ojeda has been called up for the Paraguay national team and will play the UAE and Morocco. So a pretty good uh, international break for RSL fans looking to tune into some fairly random games, but they should be fun nonetheless. Yes, absolutely. Um little piece and uh, I guess information on Aziz Kayondo, uh, 44 hour, uh, total travel and flight, uh, to Uganda from Salt Lake. So, um, not ideal. Is that there and back or is that like multiple connecting flights? That's just multiple connecting flights to Uganda. Just to get there is 43 hours. Yes. Wild. I know. How is that? But where, how many stops is he taking? Yeah, that is unreal. He's taken a lot of connecting flights. So, uh, that's, oh, that's terrible. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, those are all the call-ups we know as of right now. I was told by, uh, by Trey Fitzgerald of the RSL communications team that there are likely to be some more international call-ups announced tomorrow for the other one. Uh, they've got to be Monarchs guys, right? Cause there's nobody on RSL that would be getting called up. I, Correct? I will be, it's I gotta will be like be golden Mafuenta. He's played a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who else. Haziel might get like a U.S. random youth yeah. camp call up or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. I'll keep my I eyes peeled. So, but yes, keep your eyes and ears peeled. I'm sure Alex will will keep everybody updated on Twitter. So make sure you follow. I him do my check, best uh, and check his account. Um, as you will probably see some international call ups from uh, maybe some monarchs guys can called up to camps or something. So that'll be fun to see and to watch out for. And um, yeah. Alex, I, I do. I, I was looking at our little show doc that we have, and I, I did notice that you uh, mentioned the Galaxy game. Uh, I don't know if you saw the schedule. It's in two weeks. It so is. It is indeed. What we can do is we can lightly preview somewhat of a friendly game this next week. And then I okay, I like this audible. And then talk about the Galaxy game, or because if we did that, we just wouldn't have a podcast next week. There wouldn't be likely a whole lot to talk about. 
or, live editing on the pod. I love this. Or well, did you, just, did you just want to preview the friendly next week and then next week's episode we preview the galaxy game? Well, next week I will unfortunately well, fortunately for me, I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I probably won't be on the show next week. So maybe we do maybe we just hint a little bit at the galaxy and we uh Maybe find some time midweek. I don't know. We'll figure this all out off air. But I say we at least give the Galaxy somewhat of a preview because I think that is important in the conversation of these next two results that we're going to talk about. Because uh, guess what? The Galaxy have hopped us in the playoff standings. So that's uh, a little a little tricky for old the little engine that almost could Real Salt Lake. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so let's just let's just do this then. Let's leave. Let's do like a light preview for the Atlas game. Um, Right before that's the all it Galaxy deserves, game. right? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, all right. So let's uh, let's get into our game reviews. Yes, reviews. Because if you remember at the top of the show, talk about there were two RSL games this week. Um, some of you may not have remembered that because you wanted consider to consider yourself lucky. Erase some of that from your memory. But um, midweek game this week, uh, RSL played Austin. It was in Austin. It was an away game. Not fun. Not fun for RSL in this one. It was fun, and it was looking okay, actually, uh, until about the 60th minute. Um, So, you know, it was a pretty back-and-forth game. There were opportunities for both sides. A majority of them, I would say, was probably for Austin. But in the entire game, RSL actually outshot Austin 17-14 to with six on target, as opposed to just three for Austin on target. Um, They controlled possession. They did better than Austin in pass accuracy. Stats really kind of favored RSL in this game, but I thought that Austin probably had the best chances of the game being the three shots on goal, which they they put all of them uh, away. Um, key player in this game, uh, really not, there's not a lot to talk about for RSL. It was a, it was an okay performance from some guys. Some guys didn't have great performances. Uh, Johan Kappelhoff getting the start in this game um, for Marcelo Silva. Marcelo Silva, um, I asked Pablo about it in the post game and uh, we found out that Marcelo Silva had a bit of a tight quad coming into this game. So he sat out this one, did not play Johan Kapelhoff, took his spot. Uh, we should have started probably somebody else there, which I'm pretty sure we, that we could t- that's, a, that's a talking point, I guess, in this game. Yeah, it will but, be, um, certainly. The, the substitution is probably the biggest thing in this game. Uh, I apologize if I pronounce this man's name wrong, but it is Musa Jite. 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 We got a little... Emphasis on the E. So Musa Jite um, comes into the game in the 58th minute, two minutes later, scores his first goal. Um, and then after that, scores another goal 16 minutes later in the 76th minute. And then four minutes later, gets his hat trick in the 80th minute. Um, it's a fantastic game from him, but it was really bad defending on all three goals from Real Salt Lake. I'm placing a lot of the blame on you, Johan Kappelhoff. A uh, terrible game in my mind from Kappelhoff. Guy does not deserve to see the field the rest of the season. Maybe not even next year for RSL. And I don't think that's really a bold statement, but he just did not look the part at all. Alex, share with me your feelings. Um, if you can try and maybe paint this somewhat positively, but just like share with me your feelings about this game. <laughs> I'll do my best. And it starts with the fact that, and I, I truly don't mean to say this to sound contrarian, but I don't know that Johan Kapelhoff really was that bad. He fell asleep on one goal, but he's the fourth string center back and was playing with a heavily rotated roster in a brand new formation for the team for pretty much the first time, maybe the second time all season. I just find it really difficult to put all of the blame on Johan, like we saw in Pablo's post-game interview with Dunny and DJ like on the broadcast. It was really weird. He went extremely hard on indiv- quote individual mistakes that were clearly pointed at Johan Kapelhoff. And then not to mention, Dunny kind of hopped on the wagon too and just started like berating Kapelhoff for his, his horrific performance. And like, he was really good for 60 minutes. And yeah, he just kind of like turned off for a couple of really key moments. And I understand life as a center back, like that in- institutes that you had a really bad game. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, be an apologist for Johan Kabelhoff or overlook that. I understand that he had a bad game, but to place so much negative emphasis on him specifically feels like a really strange approach given the fact that the team as a whole played extremely well for 60 minutes and the attackers failed to find the back of the net through very good opportunities early on to give us 
you know, a really good shot at having a lead going into halftime or having a lead going in before they can bring on a guy like Musajite. And that for me is really where this game was won and lost, which maybe, maybe perhaps that sounds like a cop out. And I don't want to try to narrate my way through this just to give a positive spin, but that is kind of my spin is that I don't actually know that Johan deserves all of the, all of the hate, much like I don't necessarily think that Pablo Ruiz deserves all the negative criticism. He deserves a lot of it, but not all of it for the uh, game that just happened tonight against, why am I blanking on? Oh, Cincinnati, of course. Uh, I just, I don't know. I thought Johan was like fine and solid for a large portion of the game and fell asleep. And yeah, I don't know. I get it. It was still a bad performance, but for Pablo to go out there and say all of this about how individual mistakes cost us this game and players were not, he said specifically that like guys were not hitting their metric numbers for like distance run and like max efforts and things like that. Like you put those guys out there and that that's where for me, I don't really understand a lot of Pablo's frustrations in this game is that he clearly chose to rotate this game. I mean, we see how many guys starting this game that are not by any stretch of the imagination, regular starters like an Anderson Julio or a Rubio Rubin, a Brian Oviedo, uh, Ojeda, Caldwell, Luna to that point had not been at all. Kappelhoff, like the only true starters are Gladden Herrera. So to come out and blame Brody, one guy in Brody. Yes. Thank you. One guy. So entirely it is, is really weird to me, especially when, I don't know, they do this and, you know, maybe other teams do it too. And so it's, it's, it's perhaps rude to just pick on RSL for it. But whenever we seem to rotate, a lot of players and then the performance doesn't go well. We seem to them blame the rotated players. Like they're not clearly less than the starters that are normally playing. If, if you'll bear with me for a second, I'll take us all the way back once again to the Northern Colorado hailstorm. I asked Pablo in that post game after we lost to one of probably the worst teams we've ever lost to ever in the history of RSL, like why he chose to rotate. And I didn't mean it in any pointed way of like you, like you blew it. I just meant it in like, like it was a, a genuine choice, a considered choice to go out and rotate your squad, knowing that like the detriment will be placed on the guys that are, you know, not like consistent contributors. And that seems to be the same thing here is that he rotated the squad and then is upset that the rotated squad is like not as good as the normal, the normal guys that he trots out there. And like, yeah, that's, that's the point. Like they should, the guys that you're bringing up to play for the starter should not be presumed to be as good as starters. And unfortunately they also really played quite well for 60 minutes. So I don't understand a lot of his frustrations on this one. And so that's my positive is unfortunately in a game, we lose three zero. I thought that as many, as many others did that we played really well for 60 minutes and deserved more than what we got. But I just don't understand the frustration, the frustrations with the consequences of decisions that you personally made Pablo Mastroeni to, to, to play these guys and, and trot them out there in the way that you did. I mean, if you want more cover, you could have gone in a back four. If you wanted a different personnel, you could have gone with, not that I'm saying this is the right decision, but you could have gone with an Eric Holt. Or what I do think was the right decision is, of course, say it with me, Haziel Orozco. Haziel Orozco, yep. The fact that we've got an 18-year-old center back who came in for the team, played extremely well, played poorly against New York City FC, as did, I remind you, every other person who played in that game and then was immediately banished to the Monarchs where he spent the rest of the entire MLS next... I keep wanting to say USL. MLS next per season. Paziel had it. Like, you could see it in that game in Colorado. He had it. But he's not ready because he's young, right? Yeah, I I know you're joking, and I know you're saying that in italics, but it's still, like, the hair on the back of my neck just, like, pricked up because it's so frustrating to hear that. Diego Luna is ready. He came in, was immediately better than the guys that he replaced. David Ochoa was ready, immediately was an upgrade at the position. The fact that we can't get Haziel Orozco in there because we're trusting these quote-unquote veterans with quote-unquote more experience is mindless to me. I've gone on this rant too often on this podcast, so I won't dive into it and get fully knee-deep, but I will just dip my toe in and say that there is a very distinct possibility that Haziel Orozco is better now and will also be better in the future than guys like Eric Holt and Johan Kapelhoff. Oh, and the sure. fact that he was not given that opportunity frustrates me to no end because Pablo's, and this is kind of, and I've said this before, but this is the problem with always having a coach that is always in win-now mode because you're always hiring and firing guys because you do not have a long-term plan. 
that problem manifests itself in the fact that they are always in win now mode and they're always going to lean on veterans over young players. And as an organization that has clearly invested millions into fostering young talent, bringing them about and then selling them on, that is a huge detriment to what you're trying to establish at the academy. If you are entrusting people in very high positions to do their jobs and they don't feel they can do their jobs by playing those young kids, what are we wasting all this time and money for? And so that's, that was, you know, I tried to give you my positive spin that Johan Kapelhoff wasn't really that bad, but then my, my, my real, <laughs> my true agenda is that he actually was, was, was very poor and uh, it should have been Haziel Orozco back there. And I don't, I don't mean to say that Haziel Orozco saves us, but I do think it was definitely a better look. And I do think it was a choice made by Pablo to start a guy like Johan Kapelhoff. And I think there were better options on the bench that I probably would have opted for Ethan, but that's, I don't know. Like we did play really well for 60 minutes. And if MLS gave out trophies for almost, we would have a full cabinet. We were almost in supporter shield contention halfway through the season. We almost snuck out of the Western conference finals last year. We almost won this game in Austin FC off of 60 decent minutes of soccer, but it's frustrating. It's frustrating that we're supposed to even pretend to like be happy with that sort of result. We almost came away with a win against DC United, but we failed to beat another Eastern Conference team at home. That for me is where the frustration should have been. I don't understand why Pablo came out of this Austin game, you know, all huffing and puffing and is in a tizzy or whatever. But after DC United, it was just like, oh, we had a lot of good chances. It's on to the next one. Like what? At home, you're dropping two points and then you go on the road with a heavily rotated squad and you lose to one of the best teams in the West and like everyone predicted it and you're pretending like that is the like straw that breaks the camel's back. What? Why is that the game that you're going to put all this like negative energy into in the post game? Like that was the one like whenever, whenever, yeah, whenever coach starts blaming players, you know, it's going to go one of two ways extremely fast. Like either they lose the locker room and they start losing games and they're out or like it really is like that fork in the road moment where everybody very much like a cliche high school basketball movie like comes together and figures it out. And unfortunately, it seems like we've opted for the former, not the latter. But Ethan, do you think there's anything left for this Austin game or do you think we should probably just, oh, I would love to hear it then, my friend. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had any time to talk about it. I'd, I'd love to, to insert my... I guess I did go on a very long... I said I wasn't going to get into a rant, and then I went for, what, six minutes there? I apologize. Uh, but not really, because it was a good rant, and I'd stand by everything I said. I want to talk about Kapelhoff just for a, a second longer. Um, I, I think that a majority of the people out there probably agree with me, but uh, I hate him. I hate him. Like, just, I, I honestly, I don't blame the entire loss on him, but, dude, there were... I feel like we got to acknowledge that he's the fourth string center back. I don't care. I okay. don't care. That's he's fair. starting. He's starting in this game. Like if he's fourth string, why it, why is he being the third center back? Technically that's in, I guess I'm conflating him and Eric Holt is probably three, a three B. So yeah, three, yeah, take your pick there. Uh, don't like Kapelhoff and uh, hope he never sees the field again, to be honest. Um, but you know, Pablo did say that he he really liked to play from a couple of guys. He specifically mentioned Diego Luna, Brian Ojeda, and Anderson Julio in this game. Um, I am always particularly fond of Andrew Brody and uh, appreciative of the way he plays. Been pretty consistent and played all right in this game, uh, but not a lot of other players really step up to the plate in this one. Obviously, no goals. It's a tough one. Rubio Rubin kind of playing himself out of minutes, actually, at all. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit, just touch on it. Um, for the the review of the game tonight, but Rubio Rubin played really bad in this game. Um, yeah, it, I agree with you. It's a heavily rotated rotated team. I'm not sure what, what Pablo's expecting. Um, all of the the and it's funny in the post game, he's talking about we can't just keep saying he's like I, I this was such a good line. saying. Yeah, can can you help me? I, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. He was like, screwed up, but. we can't keep saying that we're like putting up good I mean, results well. or playing well and creating chances, but not winning games. And like, 
Dude, and Pablo, you're the one that's saying that's that. Exactly week. what you've been doing every single game after every single loss is you've been saying that exact same thing. So that was see, fun. and that's the same thing that happened in the DC game. Like he wants to yeah. come out in the post game press and say like we did all the right things. It's a game of moments. We didn't come away with like the ball didn't bounce the right way or whatever. And then he comes in there and he's like again in like this huff and a puff that makes absolutely no sense where he's saying things exactly like that where. It's we can't just say that we got to play harder and like things like that. Like, dude, like th- that's you. Like, that's yeah. you're the one. Do you understand this, right? Like, the cognitive dissonance cannot be that extreme to where he doesn't understand that he is the one saying that. I have to understand that. Or I have to believe that that he it, to at least some degree yeah. acknowledges and recognizes that that he's the one that is is saying that. And then hilariously, he says the exact same things in the Cincinnati post game. It's truly, truly mind boggling. Well, if you're all right with it, let's move on to that Cincinnati. Uh, I would love to more than anything. I wouldn't because RSL <laughs> in this game um, gave us a glimmer of hope, actually, in the in the beginning of the game. More than a glimmer. Minutes. Yes, 35 minutes in this game, um, team had looked very threatening. They cap it off with a quick throw-in, which um, I believe it was Jasper Lofelson with the ball, and Aaron Herrera wanted uh, him to, wanted to take the throw-in, but Jasper Lofelson um, quickly found, uh, I believe it was Jefferson Savarino in a position close to the the end line and Savarino just flicked it in and Michael Ching right there in front of goal to head the ball into to the net it was a, a good header it wasn't super powerful but like point blank range like you got to make it and he did and Michael Ching was having actually a pretty bad game before that goal so he gets the goal RSL's up 1-0 but unfortunately in the 44th minute Brenner for Cincinnati, the Brazilian boy, scores a goal in, and uh, then it kind of went downhill from there. Halftime comes and goes, and then in the 76th minute, Brenner scores the game-winning goal. A brace for him on this day. RSL loses this game 2-1. to one. RSL outscored in the last two games 5-1. to one. Really bad defending as of late. Team dropping points. And personally, well, I'm sure we'll, this will be a little bit of a conversation as well, but this team will not be making the playoffs this year. So um, that's not quite yet determined, but I understand it's not happening. It's not I understand happening. where you're coming from. It is certainly an uphill battle at this point. Since you brought it up, let's just dive right into it. The standings look kind of like this. It is extremely tight in the West. We are sitting now in eighth place, which is just, just unfortunate. The playoff line is, of course, at seven. Right above us are the LA Galaxy and the Portland Timbers sitting on. LA's at 43 points tied with us. The Portland Timbers are at 45. Each, each of those two teams, as you say, have a game in hand. They will play on Saturday when the rest of the league is off. And then we will catch up to them with uh, total games played. Right behind us is Vancouver sitting on 40 points. Uh, but they have 32 games played as well, so they do not have a game in hand. The, the Sounders are down there with the game in hand at 39 points, but I don't foresee them making any sort of leap. So I think it truly does come down to us, L.A., and Portland. And luckily for us, and I do think this is lucky, we do play both of those teams to finish out the year. Unfortunately, they're you know decent teams, but we do have like a say, a very big say, in our own destiny here. We're not score-watching too much in other games. If we take care of business and win them both, you have to assume we make it in on what would be 51 points, but I, or excuse me, 49 points, but that is probably much easier said than done. And that presumes that they do, you know, at least one of them drops points in their game in hand. So yeah, that's the schedule. So we'll play the galaxy and then we will come home to play the timbers and that will be the end of our season or we win those games and we make it to the playoffs. But yeah, Ethan, as you mentioned, it got extremely tight. And it, as we said, it didn't have to be this way. It did not have to be this way. We made this so much harder on ourselves than it needed to be. I remember asking you, Ethan, and I hope you recall too, because it was a special moment shared between friends. About eight games ago, I listed out the RSL schedule. It was after the LAFC loss. And those games consisted of Seattle, Vancouver, Dallas, Minnesota, LAFC, Salt, or Salt Lake, wow, DC United, Austin, Cincinnati. Yep. And I said, from this stretch, are there any games that you feel 100% that RSL will go in and win? And do you remember who you said, Ethan? Yes, I said the DC United game, which we drew. Which we drew. And then the second one was the Cincinnati Maybe game. The Cincy game. Yeah, those were the two that had to be wins. Eastern Conference games, those are essentially just bonus games. Because as, as Paolo Masrani puts it, those are three-point games. Or no, those are six-point games, and the Western Conference ones are nine-point games. I can't entirely remember his his math there. But those were the two that we really had circled 
and said, these have to be wins. To come away with one point from both games, or from you know the totality of both games, is, is unacceptable. I mean, neither of those two rosters are miles ahead of what we've put together. Neither of those two teams have any more to play for than we do. DC was essentially playing for pride, and it was, to be fair, it was David Ochoa's pride, and that is a lot. But it's unacceptable that those two games did not end in two wins. And that, for me, is extremely... I don't want to say frustrating because I use that word too often, but it's strange to me, as I mentioned before, that those are not the games that Pablo Mastroeni blew up in the press conferences for, or like really let loose on the broadcast with DJ and Dunny. Because those, to me, were much worse results than going on the road to one of the best Western Conference teams with a rotated squad and losing. Like, yeah, you played well and you thought you deserved more, but you also played well in spurts in you know these two games too and didn't come away with anything at all. So I I don't know. Why were those not the games where you really set the tone and set the emphasis in the post games? And why was it the Austin? I still just don't understand that dichotomy of or what the breakdown he sees there is. But in this game against Cincinnati, I guess we haven't even really, you know, touched on the performance. And, you know, I say we, but it's truly just me because I'm going again on a tangent. But Brenner is a guy that we do not have on the roster. He's making right around $2 million. The closest comparison would, of course, be Saverino. But Saverino is not flanked by the likes of, I don't know, Luciano Acosta, who's got the most assists in MLS this season. And I think his quality really shone through. He's been kind of a strange MLS signing. Came for like a bajillion dollars. I think it was like $10 million. Makes $2 million a year and had an extremely difficult first season in MLS. And now he's sitting in like 15th in MLS with like 15 goals scored, something like that. And we just don't have a guy on the roster like that. Our next highest is Sergio Cordova with eight goals. And it just is very clear that we do not have a striker capable of finishing the chances that... I don't know that we have anybody on the roster that scores both goals that Brenner scores tonight. Neither of them were like fascinatingly good, but they were both very solid. Well, you know what? They were actually pretty bad goals. McMath on the first one bundles it, slips under his hand, and then the second one, Pablo Ruiz puts in an absolutely disgustingly horrible half-hearted attempt. It's like, like go back and watch that. He, he doesn't even, he's not even like trying to make contact. There was a couple of times where guys could have like cleared the ball and just... It, it, it truly looks like Pablo is just like diving just to show that he was trying, but not even in a purposeful or meaningful way whatsoever but he turns and the second one was actually kind of a good goal it was a close turn quick shot it was nice but i don't know that we have the quality of like the high-end quality of that roster because with the addition of Savarino, our roster spend actually comes right about mid-table in mls so i've been told and cincinnati's not that far ahead and so it's 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 interesting it's interesting that we can't, and I, you know, a lot of our salary is tied up in Bobby Wood and Demir Krylak, who we also heard in this pregame that they are extremely unlikely to play again this season, which I don't think is a huge surprise to anyone other than seemingly the RSL front office. Why Demir was not shut down early on in the season is still absolutely beyond me. You would have saved yourself an international roster slot, so you wouldn't have had to do all that funny business with Chris Cablon or waiting to ship him off two weeks early before his loan ended so that you could bring in Ojeda and Oviedo. You wouldn't have had to do, you wouldn't have had to done that if you put him on the pup or I guess it's not the pup. That's my fantasy <laughs> creeping in, but the physically unable to perform list, whatever the, yeah. the equivalent is in MLS. And Bobby Wood was listed as one of our big summer signings because he was going to come back from injury and we haven't seen him or Demir and it doesn't look like we will all season. So like, what were you doing? What were you doing all summer? Elliot fall? What was what you got strung along by Gustavo Cuellar and you were probably just being used as leverage in like contract negotiations in his uh, Saudi Al-Halal club negotiations. It couldn't get that over the line. And then you bring in a free agent left back who everyone has been extremely high on simply because there's nobody else that we can possibly get excited about. Danny Musaski is literally just a warm body. Like I'm sure he might have a moment or two, but what what are we doing? Like the roster was clearly not good enough. They did the absolute bare minimum to address it. A plus gradings aside, it was an F window from me personally. I think I gave it a D minus at the time, but now that looks generous. 
And I just don't know where this team sits, man. I, I, and I and I feel bad because I haven't even talked about the Cincinnati game, like from a analytical standpoint. I'm just like pure raw emotion right now because it does feel, as you say, it feels like we missed out on the playoffs. It feels like this was the game. It, it was where like a we playoff could, game tonight, honestly. Yeah, it's and we lost it. And it feels like we're out of the playoffs. Like it sucks. The weird thing was is I feel like we I feel like the players didn't have the intensity of a playoff game, even though it was like yeah, you guys need to win this game kind of thing. Like, I just feel like they didn't get the memo or something. Yeah, and it's and they played fine. Like, we yeah, actually yeah, created yeah. a lot of chances. We had 18 shots, eight on target, which, you know, they had eight and three on target, came away with two goals. But it, as Pablo said in the post game, and it's one of those things that kind of drives me crazy because he talks a lot about moments. And now he started talking a lot about the ball bouncing the right way. And it's just incredibly frustrating because if you're going to talk about moments – there are things you can do in a game to create more moments than your opponent or create more moments that could lead to then more goals, presumably. And I don't feel that at any point in this season, we have truly addressed the problem of not being able from a concerted and consistent standpoint, not being able to create chances. And I think the biggest thing that it comes down to for me is playing Savarino as kind of a striker or like a free roaming 10. He is not a central player. That is not where his best soccer come from comes from. When he gets out in these wide positions and gets shots and gets crosses and is able to combine with wingbacks, that is when he is most dangerous. And we saw that in this game. The goal nearly comes when the second goal nearly comes when Sergio Cordova gets a ball out wide to Savarino and he pings in a, a really good shot, but it's, you know, an even better save. And those sorts of moments are something that we probably should have been capitalizing on weeks ago. Diego Luna was brought in a quote, another quote unquote big summer signing. You yep. wouldn't believe it from the way that we didn't play him for the last three months. Imagine if he had gotten integrated into the team 10 games ago, how different would he look? How different would this team look moving forward? How different would we look in attack having a consistent and reliable midfield presence that can actually move the ball from sideline to sideline and get forward and press back on defense. Like there's just so many little things that I think were band-aid fixes for much bigger issues. And I think Savarino playing centrally is one of those. I think they just had a really good player and they liked that he could get on the ball more, even though that he was getting on the ball in worse spots. I don't know, man. Like this game's got me really bummed out. And like to a degree that I, cause like when I was watching it, I didn't feel this bummed out. Like it kind of just felt like, honestly, it felt a little bit inevitable. As soon as we yeah. missed that penalty kick, like it felt like it was just going to happen. And then it did. And it like, wasn't fun to watch. And now I'm just so <laughs> unbelievably dejected. And, you know, since I bring up the penalty and I know a lot of people were asking the reason Pablo Ruiz took it is because according to Pablo Mastroeni, he was just the most confident and that's what they go with. And yep. like, I don't mind it actually, because Pablo, he made the only other penalty and it's wild that we've only had two penalties all season. I think that speaks to how little we are actually in the opposing teams, not let alone attacking third, but penalty area. And I don't mind that he took the penalty. I do mind that it was a terrible penalty, like right in the middle of the goal at a very savable height, but I don't know, like he's made one and he's very good at free kicks. And so you would assume that translates, but yeah, there's your answer. If you were, if you were one of those people that was curious about why he took it, because he's the most confident. So hopefully his confidence isn't shattered too much, but Oh, and speaking of shattering his confidence, Pablo Mastroeni, I asked post game why he pulled off Lafelsund instead of Pablo Ruiz when he had mentioned two specific things that Ruiz did poorly, which was the challenge on the ball and not being able to hit attackers in really good areas from the double pivot. And he said it went back to his playing days. And he said, if you take a player like that off after such a horrific first half, there's a chance that he never regains that form. And uh, those last few words were Pablo's that he would never regain that form. So I guess they're trying to like protect him mentally, which to a degree I want to understand, but then he did the exact opposite to Diego Luna in Atlanta after he had a bad half and he ripped him. And he was like, it was like the, Poor 18-year-old kid's first start in MLS, and he has a bad half for the heavily rotated squad on the road, and you yank him at halftime. Like, how is that any different? I mean, I, I get the circumstances and the stakes and the pressure is a lot different, but, like, the result seemed to be negligent at best from the the results of that decision. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm – t- I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm tired. I, yeah. This game has just taken, ev- like, the complete wind out of my sails. 
No, I'm, I'm the same way, and so um, we'll just try and present it, I, I guess, to you all as kind of how it was, and I, I apologize if we're not being super positive on this podcast. There's no, like, positive it's spin. It's difficult to be. There's there's not. Like, there's there's nothing you can take away from RSL this game that was positive. Bad, but um, RSL made a lot of attacking substitutions in this game. One that was a bit of a head-scratcher to me is when Pablo Ruiz does come off the field. Um, in the 78th minute, I believe it was for Scott Caldwell, which is, like, a, a real big defensive move kind of when we're needing uh, to score a goal. Yeah, season's on the line and you can bring on Scott Caldwell and Danny Musowski. And like, it's two, that's when I know we were in dire straits. It's it's two minutes after the, the second goal scored um, when Scott Caldwell comes in. So that was a little crazy to me, but um, I agree there were a lot of chances in this game. Um, personally, if I'm taking a penalty, we're just putting it down the middle every time. Like, no one's ever going to see it coming. You just put it down the middle, nice and easy. That's what Chicharito thought. Well, okay, that was a Panenka. That was real <laughs> stupid, man. But, like, I don't know. Most of the time, the goalkeeper's going to go one way or the other. Just put it down the middle. Be safe. I don't know. For me, it seems like the most logical idea. But um, regardless, RSL, like you said, you know, and this is crazy because I feel like it's the second game where RSL has dominated in the stat, the stat sheet. So I do, in a way, see where Pablo's talking about kind of like those those lucky breaks, like, RSL has been, and you need to have a little bit of luck at times as as a soccer team in like league play. RSL has not had a lot of luck lately. Like they've just been a really unlucky team. A lot of shots that like just like like worldies and goal- goalkeepers save them. So to that to that point that Pablo brings up, I've, I've kind of seen it. Like RSL dominated this game stat sheet wise. Eighteen shots, eight on target, eight for for Cincinnati, three on target, and two of those three go in for a goal. So, like, I, I see what he's talking about, but at the same time, I agree with you in the fact that, like, there's there's ways to create more chances. He talked a lot about the team needing to improve their execution in the uh, in inside the box, and I asked him, you know, how are you going to do that? He's like, well, we've been practicing those kind of scenarios throughout the year, like um, numbers of players v number of players. About know, a six feet eight. Six feet eight. Yeah, that's yeah, what he said. I, I couldn't remember the number for for sure, but um, but yeah. So like a lot of practices and stuff. And so I just I wanted to hear something different because if you're doing all that stuff and it's not working, what are you going to do different to be able to improve yeah. on that? That's something that needs, needs to be addressed for sure. But um, I, I will say just just quickly, game. J- yeah, go ahead. J- just quickly because because you mentioned it, and I want like a large part of me wants to agree that RSL's just been unlucky, but they have been. I, they've done it to themselves. I mean, they've shot themselves in the That's foot. Fair. Zach McMath lets one trickle over the line where that he gets two hands on. Like that should never be a goal from Brenner. Paulo Ruiz makes a horrific half-hearted challenge that then leads to space in the box for Brenner. Kapilov. I mean, it's like it's like it's like the, the ball on that one was even deflected. Like it, it wasn't a great pass straight to him. It was a deflected yeah. ball that he had to come back and get gathered and then put it away. Like Exactly. Kapelhoff falls asleep for one, two, three plays in Minnesota. Or why do I want to keep thinking they're Minnesota Austin? Austin. And then, you know, DC, we can't come up with much of anything in the attack. So as much as Pablo can scream and shout that the ball is just not rolling the right way for us. He's certainly not doing his best to really address the underlying issues. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm just backing on Pablo because I do understand that like the players are the ones playing and they are the ones making these individual mistakes, but he is also choosing who plays and you know, you're never going to fire 11 players, but you're probably going to make a decision on your new head coach. And so I think that's where like the, the accountability falls for me is that it, you know, it is the player's job to go out there and execute, but who's putting them in positions to succeed or not every week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because this team will not make the playoffs. I personally also predict and believe again, they have not been eliminated. I just want to be, Oh, no, they have been fair but, here, but I agree. I understand what you're saying. I just want I, to make I, sure the listeners are aware <laughs> that we are not mathematically by any stretch of the imagination eliminated from playoff. Yeah, neither is sporting Kansas city. I don't think, but um, yeah, we would uh, have to do a lot to win supporter shield though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ugh, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, anyways, I, I will say as well, I just love how some of our RSL friends call him moon boy. So I'll just call him moon boy. That's Diego Luna. Um, but moon boy, got a start in this game which is great to see it's his first real start with i believe kind of like the like the first team kind of players yeah. an opportunity to kind of show what he's got he played really well um yeah he was I, awesome I, I, no I idea why he came that, off 
it's it's really unfortunate that every start he has had um, with RSL this year, they've lost, right? Or tied even. No, lost, yeah, because he's only had three and yeah, straight all up been lost. losses. So it's, it's a huge bummer. I actually, you right. know, I said I had no idea why he came off, but I asked Paulo in the post game why he did come off, and he said it was kind of a mix between fitness and tactical adjustments. They wanted to pull him off because obviously going 60 midweek, going 90 is kind of a tall order, but I mean, he's 18 and he was the best player on the field and your playoffs were on the line. I probably would have pushed it, but he said tactically he wanted to keep Sergio Cordova out there and get Jefferson Savarino on a wing. And that was the way to do it. I probably would have sacrificed somebody else, but that's just me. I've never led a team to MLS Western conference finals. So what do I know? But yeah, that's the answer to the question. I asked why Pablo and Diego came off and those were the answers. So there's, there's take that for what lot. you will. There's not a whole lot else analytically to really look at for this game because if you look analytically, RSL dominated, but they ended up losing. So like, and, and it's the same. It's like the the approach to the game, despite the three in the back, like was yeah. almost you know the exact same as it always is. It was just get the ball wide, whip in crosses, and hope that it works. And it worked for Michael Chang. And the ball is over the top. We do a lot of those too. That worked for Sergio Cordova. He got a penalty out of it. We were just in the moments. We were just not good enough, unfortunately, yes. which yep. is, uh, yeah. Cordova, other too, than drawing that, Cordova, other than drawing that penalty, lost the he ball. Did nothing. Times. Yeah. yeah. And, and he yep, totally yep, missed yep. Anderson Julio on a run in between two center backs yep. to end the game. Like if he just heads that ball to Anderson Julio, instead of taking it on his chest, it's a goal. A yep. Yeah. It's frustrating. Um, Jefferson Savarino kind of looked like he was playing at times disinterested, a bit indifferent, uh, very frustrated. I would say something's going on with Jefferson Savarino. Yeah. Picking up a yellow for descent is not very Jefferson Savarino. Yeah. Uh, Team's got to figure out what's wrong. I, I would imagine he's now. furious because, I mean, having come from playing with like Albert and Demir to coming back and playing well, and with and Sergio Cordova uh, and Justin Miram. He went and played with Atletico Mineiro in Brazil and won a crap. Yeah, and he was playing with what? Hulk? Like, yeah, he had some really good guys around him. And now he's got some really guys around him. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a great for way whatever to say that's, it. Yeah, worth. Um, not a lot of like shining performances, but we like Diego Luna. We always love Diego Luna, so I'll say that. I thought Andrew Brody actually played pretty well. He had some moments as well. Um, my boy Justin Merrim did not play. Super Was not good. Aaron Herrera really also cool, not good. Justin Merrim had a really cool skill move uh, in the attack where he just like several times went through defenders and then he lost the ball, which sucked. But I think that's the way I'm going to end this this game review. Not much else to talk about. Disappointing. Alex, shall we move on? Yeah, dude, it sucked. I don't want to talk. <laughs> right. Like, truly, it, yeah. it, as you say, like, it, it felt like we just missed out on the playoffs. Yep. And this is the first time that we have been below the playoff line all season. Yep. We've yeah. won four games in our last 17. Are you kidding me? Yep. Are you That's kidding me? Great. And we lost for the first time. We lost back-to-back games under Pablo Mastromani. Get out of here. It was such a stupid stat to begin with, and it still remains stupid. But, ugh, I digress. Um, I just remember going back on your uh, on your uh, assist stat with Luciano Costa. He actually is tied for first in the league. Uh, Diego Fagundes has twelve assists as well in the league. Did he pick up a couple against RSL? He must have, right? I Surely so. he did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're slum busters. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's um, that's a little thing. Anyways, um, let's move on to uh, the friendly. We we talked a little bit about it Thursday. There'll be a friendly with a uh, Mexican team, Atlas. Um, it's just a friendly game, but Pablo said that he doesn't want this game to seem like it means nothing. Kind of seems like it means nothing when you've absolutely got to win your next two games in league play. So, um, expect to see not really a ton of starters in this game. I would say, uh, probably a lot of like backup players, like maybe like maybe Thomas Gomez finally like gets some playing (laughs) time in this game. We see if he actually exists. Yeah, exactly. If he's actually a player and not just like some imaginary dude. Um, so I can't imagine the starters. If the starters player, even go 30 minutes, I would be one stunned and two probably upset, right? Yeah, yeah. Like no, they can't even play. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of bench guys. It's probably going to be a couple of guys from the Monarchs since the Monarch season ends uh and tomorrow. Tomorrow on Today. Sunday, so uh, I bet a lot of those guys will be playing a part in that game. Uh, I hope so. Not, but... not a lot to to talk about in this one, and like it's kind of a meaningless game. But, but I, if I the bet... Monarchs are playing Atlas and Atlas actually trots out like even a handful of starters, they are going to get 
walloped. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. extremely ugly if Atlas puts even like two or three starters out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I almost wonder if that's going to happen. Um, I'm not 100% sure where Liga MX play is at right now. Like if they're in the middle of the season, I'm trying to check that out. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're like in the middle of the season, but I, I don't know. I feel like Atlas probably is going to take this more seriously than we will. And so like, let's just do a little score prediction and a one to watch for this game. My score prediction for this game is going to be like three zero, just going out on a whim because I think Atlas yeah. is going to dominate. But, I'm going to go 5-2 because that's just go. so that's fun good. and entertaining. Watch for Haziel yeah. Orozco. He'll be playing. Yes. Yes. That's my one to watch, too. I'm just going to piggyback on you with that because our – I'll allow it. Score there's there's the plenty of room on the Haziel Orozco hype train. Yes. As its Haziel main conductor. And uh, he will be maybe the reason for them not scoring seven goals, according to your prediction. So it's certainly, uh, yeah, that could be, be that one, might could he be maybe the one bright spot for this team, which will be fun to watch. So I hope Haziel plays. I hope he starts. That'd be awesome to watch. Um, anyways, let's preview the LA Galaxy game, the game that probably matters a little bit more. This is a game is a game that is two weeks away. So uh, you've got, and you know, and I like what you said earlier. We should just do a small. I don't want to talk about this game. It's going to be make me sad. We should just do a small preview, okay. I think. Yeah, team likely out of the playoffs, so uh, this is going to be a must-win game along with the Portland game after that. Uh, three this one, we, if we lose this game, we're mathematically out, right? I believe so. Because there's no be. way we could catch... I get, no, Unless I guess we could, still, I know we could still... Yeah, we could still catch Portland if they lose out. But Okay, so yeah, we won't, we won't be out until decision day. At least that's fun. We get 34 yeah. weeks of at least being able to root for something, which yeah, has to um, mean... Well, I guess unless Portland wins. I don't know. It's going to be bad. My one to watch in this game is going to be Sergio Cordova because uh, the most consistently inconsistent player on this team, uh, just completely mind boggling, just seems like an anomaly at times. He will go games without scoring and then he'll have uh, a streak of games with a goal. So, um, you know, if the team wants to do anything offensively and score goals, I believe it's going to come through Sergio Cordova. I don't love Sergio Cordova as a player, as you all, I'm sure, well know, but Pablo you used to you used to i, I poisoned you because i, 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 I feel to, i feel I so hope. bad because yeah you used to you used to drive that that hype train and i really had to pump the brakes on that and now i feel horrible because you've you've gone full 180 and i feel I, like i, I have at least some mild part to play in that yeah i'm whatever. somewhat complicit in the fact that you've turned on sorgia snortova yeah, he's he. Ha- <sighs> Would you okay? Sergio Cordova finishes the year with what does he have? Eight goals and like uh assist, maybe two yeah. assists. Yeah. He's making six hundred thousand dollars. If you can bring him back on a three year deal at RSL for five hundred thousand dollars a year, do you do it? No, because he's probably just a roster clog. And if you bring him back, even though if even if he's cheap, you're going to bring him back. And Pablo just like loves the guy so much because he's huge. He's just what if you play. assume Pablo? What if you assume Pablo's not here? Not that I'm advocating yeah. for that, but if you assume Pablo's no, not here, true. probably, not honestly, at this here. point, probably new front office. The front office's first decision on the board is that they have they had this guy on a one-year loan. It's with another Blitzer-owned club. I would be absolutely stunned if Augsburg wanted him back. You have the opportunity to get him on a three-year deal at RSL with an average salary of $500,000 a year. Do you do that, yes or no? No, he can go play in the Cypriot League. Really? I'm actually kind of surprised that you would say on $500,000, I think I might think twice about it. I think, and especially as not like a starter, as like an out and out starter. I also think there is something to be said for the fact that he has seen very, 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 if not any time since March time out on the wing for RSL, which he came in as his preferred position. I still want to see that. Like a part of me still believes that he could, he could be a big player, but because I mean, we saw, we saw the streaks. It just, the, the the opposing streaks of Stordova are, are are tough to get through, but I think he might have shown enough for me personally. If you can reduce that salary, maybe if you get him to if you get him down to like four hundred thousand dollars, I think he's a valuable MLS asset. And when he's competing for starting minutes with guys like fingers crossed, hopefully Bobby Wood and a healthy Demir Krylak, then I think he makes a lot more sense. Being like the out and out starter, I don't know is his best role, but I think for four hundred thousand dollars, I think you'd do it. Maybe if you just bring him in situationally every now and then, but yeah, it's just I. But I think that's going to be the first decision for if there's a new yeah. front office group. I think that's going to be their first decision. It probably will be, but it's, he's, he's you're right. He's not a starter. He's not a starter. He hasn't played well enough to be a starter or to earn that in my mind. But he has had some good games, so good for him. Um, but he's my one to watch in this game. Uh, 
he's it, it, honestly like I think if Sergio Cordova doesn't score, we probably won't win. I mean, yep, maybe Jefferson Savarino can score or something, but like Michael Chang, man, no, 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 no. I know it's like his we're first not, goal. We're not, doing, like, we're not doing the Michael. Chang. It's his first goal in like a dozen games. Yeah, today. forever. Yeah. So that's my one to watch. Who is your one to watch this game, Alex? <sighs> you got Justin Glad. I mean, you got Chicharito for LA. He just yep. scored a goal against Colorado, which was absolutely filthy. A little back heel. So he's gonna Justin Glad's gonna be the one. And in big moments, you gotta, you know, kind of lean on your best players. And I think I mean it's Jefferson Savarino, but then one yeah. B is Justin Glad. For the success of this team, I think those two kind of split the uh the importance there. And especially going on the road, keeping I don't see how we keep a clean sheet, so keeping the score low is going to be fantastically important for this team. And I see if, if that's going to happen, it's going to be due to a Justin Glad, you know, kind of major leap forward kind of game where he becomes, you know, one of the top MLS center backs. That's kind of what we've always, the step that we've really wanted to see him take. And at times we thought he was taking this year. This could be the moment. If he comes in and he just plays lights out and Marcelo Silva plays well enough and Aaron Herrera plays well enough next to him, I think we could see, you know, kind of a real statement game from Justin Glad. Or he gets turned like a top by one of the best strikers in MLS, and he scores a bunch of goals, and we like crash Garrett out of the playoffs. To him. Exactly. That is honestly the comparison that was kind of running through my mind. Is you yep. know that that goal where he's just, in his own words, his shit defending, and that that does <laughs> that does worry me slightly. But he's my one to watch for those reasons. And yeah, uh, yeah fingers crossed. Anytime Chicharito gets the ball in the uh, in the penalty area. Well, um, Alex, do you want to go ahead and uh, do the score prediction? Uh, it no, doesn't matter because guess what? I've already clinched uh, it. There's no possible way that you can come back and. And I was so close. If RSL had scored the True. equalizer, I would have had my two-two. I would have had my yep. first perfect prediction. I have not had one all year. <laughs> I'll be honest. If you had asked me before the season, I would have felt that I would have been pretty good at this. I honestly, I would have wagered that I probably would have scored like 30 points in the prediction standings. I've got like eight. It's it's unbelievable. I'll um, go second because yes. <laughs> I still don't know where I think I don't know what's gonna happen okay. in this game. Cool. I'm no gonna t- I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen because All right, I love I love everybody who's out here listening and I very much apologize if I'm com- gonna be coming off too negative in the uh the prediction for this game and for the Portland game as well. But I'm just gonna tell you right now, not confident in this team from what I've seen lately, has not been good. And this is a team going on the road against LA Galaxy, who also is fighting for a playoff spot. It's not like Galaxy are gonna throw a heavily rotated team in for this game. They've, they, they're going to have, you know, a, a week of rest. So it's just a normal amount of time. I, I, I don't know. I'm not confident in this team at all at this point. And so let's just chalk it up as a, a forfeit score. I'll just say a three nil loss and uh, LA galaxy takes this one. And oh, man, so, Alex, your turn. Get something I a little more positive because I'm just not doing a great job. Today. Don't know, dude, because I don't want to predict a win just for the sake of being positive. But I don't know if it is at all realistic. I mean, the Galaxy have won one of their last five. It's not like they've been on you know fantastic form. I don't know that they're at home like an impenetrable force. I think there is. Man, I really don't know. This might be the hardest prediction I've had to make all year. Wow. Because every fiber of my being wants to predict a win. But looking at the roster that we've got, we're going to have two weeks off, which at this point of the season, I genuinely don't know that that's an advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> LA wins 3-1. That's fair. Yep. My guess is it's like 2-1 late, we push, they get a goal to like cap it off, and we have to watch them all celebrate. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go LA wins 3-1, but I'm not happy about it. I'm actually right. extremely sad about it. If it. Me too, me too, actually. But I think that's what's going to happen, and I think that's just the uh, unfortunate sad truth about it. So uh, both of us predict losses, but make sure to tune in. Uh, RSL needs to win, so like... There could be fireworks in this game. RSL was in a similar situation last year, needing points in uh, in late games, and they did it and pulled off a miracle. No demiracle, though, for the end of the season run. But 
um, you know, someone else can maybe step up and maybe there'll be some sort of miracle elsewhere. So to make sure to tune into that game, it'll be a, uh, a Saturday, October 1st game at 8.30 p.m., a bit of a late one. So stay up for it unless RSL gets blown out 3-0 and there's like 20 minutes left. And well, even still stay up. You never know. RSL could always come back. But uh, Alex, I think that's it for us on this episode today. We didn't do a great job today and we did the best we possibly could. But thank you, everybody, for listening today. Do you have anything else to, to end this episode with before we take off? We said we were going to try to get this one down to 45 minutes. So, of course, it is an hour long. An hour. And I think I think we should pat ourselves on the back for that because, I, I, you know, I think we did a really good job, Ethan, here, providing content on sad games and sad times for ourselves. Well, your rants are more than enough steam to get us through uh, <laughs> get us through this one. Today. It's what powers the Haziel Orozco hype train. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, again, just uh, thank you, everybody, for listening today. Really appreciate your time. Um, make sure to hit us up on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, we love interaction. So, Alex, find him at Alex Mauer on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw Nine on Twitter. Also, the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter. It's where you can find all of our podcast episodes. You can also find them in the link in our bios. We have them there available as well. Thank you all for for, uh, staying with us and getting through this tough episode. Really appreciate your listenership and and your interaction with us uh, as it does come. So thank you all for listening. We will be back with you uh, probably in two weeks as Alex will be going to Vegas this week. So uh, yeah, two week, two week break. No, no episode next week. So thank you all again for listening and we will talk to you all in two weeks. See ya. The HiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. The HiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.